Welcome into the first edition of the Bracket Busters Mid-Major College Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris Bills alongside Colin MacDonald. Uh, Colin, how are you, you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm really excited to get this underway and talk some mid-major hoops. Yeah, we've been uh, trying to get this thing off the ground for a few weeks. Uh, now we are, are here in mid-March and uh, schedule's finally aligned, so we're both excited to talk about some mid-major college basketball, getting into some... Uh, some of the big conference tournaments. Um, some of them finished up this weekend, and we'll talk about those. But we really want to dive in, and this is really what our, our show is going to kind of uh, focus on a lot is, uh, you know, the, the bigger middle conferences, the, the West Coast Conference, the Atlantic 10, the American, the Valley, and the Mountain West. Uh, you know, some of these conferences that don't really get as much love as they really should and then um you know we'll dive into the smaller ones as well but uh, you know really want to have some conversations here about uh you know programs like dayton wichita state and uh you know gonzaga i know gonzaga has gotten a lot of love but uh i don't know uh you know colin and i have uh you know we're huge college basketball fans and, and really just want to kind of create a platform for ourselves to to talk about the sport that, w- that we love um you know you got anything to add to that colin no and i mean i, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head the biggest thing with it why we chose mid-major is just because if you look anywhere you're get the high majors are getting all the love they're they're always talked about you might every now and then hear you'll hear gonzaga talked about every now and then wichita state dayton especially if they're on a high year but there are a lot of good major schools out there and it's something that people act like there's the whole Cinderella story and things like that but the the fact of the matter is a lot of those teams that are quote-unquote Cinderella's those aren't flukes by Mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination these are good teams and just because they're playing in a smaller conference does not mean that they can't compete with the big boys night in and night out they just because they make a run in a tournament and you may not have heard of them before because all you follow is the high majors doesn't mean that these teams aren't good. These teams have a lot of talent, and a lot of skill, and a lot of really, really good coaches. Absolutely, and especially when your your last point there on the coaches. I mean, some of these people. I mean, these guys are going to be. Uh, you know, there's jobs opening up all over the country. NC State. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with Tom Crean at Indiana. I think he's probably going to stick around for another, at least another year, but. There's going to be some big jobs opening up and people looking for some up and coming coaches, uh, you know, you know, whether it's to keep the cost down or, you know, just because they've had, you know, a good run of late, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, they, these programs are nothing to scoff at. And you and I, I mean, let's just get into the intro. I mean, you and I love digging in, uh, you know, this time of year and, and finding out about these teams. There's so many great storylines. And I think, part of the fun of these last few years uh you know since i've got to know you and we've really you know followed college basketball as close as we have together is just talking about some of these teams before the tournament and like knowing you know some of the who, who these players are that are scoring like 25 points a game uh you know some of these small conference kids that can you know straight ball and uh i think that's part of why we wanted to do this too is to kind of learn a little bit about them before the tournament uh i know it's getting close now but uh just to you know dig in and hopefully make this into a show where we're following these conferences year round and uh you know be able to kind of tell some of these stories and you know get some of that stuff out there uh you know but uh yeah i guess colin why don't you uh introduce yourself a little bit and then we'll kind of talk about how um 
you know, we'll kind of dive in here, but maybe talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, kind of our, our friendship has kind of grown uh, around this, uh, around college basketball. Yeah, and well, to start off, Chris and I, we both went to college together. We went to a small Division two school in Ohio, so I, th- I think that kind of plays into it. We've been, both of us grew up fans of high major teams, but then went to smaller schools, and I think when you go to a smaller school like that, it kind of makes it more known that there's there's some really good athletes at, at even the Division two level, but at the smaller schools, it's not all about the high major schools, and we were both, I was a sport communication major, um, Chris was, and switched to journalism, but we we both kind of found that we had the same passion. I mean, college basketball, far and away, our favorite sports to follow, and we would be in each other's room from, God, on, up until 3, 4 in the morning some nights just talking about college basketball. We'd drive some of our roommates and friends crazy about it, but we, we were always talking about it. We, we always had some really interesting debates um, pretty much every single night about about some of these teams and I think the biggest thing is just there there's nothing like March and there's nothing like college basketball the craziness the uncertainty some of these guys that come out of nowhere these teams that come out of nowhere and just uh, there's a lot of talent out there and there's a lot of talent that doesn't get talked about and that's one of the things that we've always kind of been on with each other talking about all this stuff and it's I mean it it's the greatest thing in the world no, absolutely. I mean, it, it is. And this time of year, I think, uh, I mean, I, I bet 75% of our text conversations happen uh, starting about uh, early February, mid-February through through April. And then, uh, you know, maybe it'll go dead for a couple months. But uh, just, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, just the, the shared passion that we kind of have with college basketball is definitely – you know, just going to Dayton uh, those those three four years in a row uh, to see the first four, and uh, you know that's another thing seeing seeing those teams up close and you know what it means to be in the tournament. I think uh, it, it kind of we kind of both gained a new appreciation. I think for for that level of basketball. Let's just dive into it though, Colin. Uh, the first conversation we want to have is uh, you know one that we have had so much through through college, and uh, you know. Let's talk about Gonzaga. You know, uh, Colin and I kind of come out at this from different viewpoints, and I think we're gonna find this throughout uh, this doing this show. Is Colin and I, we kind of we kind of think about things a little bit uh, differently when it comes to sports. Uh, just kind of the way we were brought up, uh, rooting for two rival uh, major conference schools, but. Uh, the, the the way that we look at this so I kind of you know I love seeing Gonzaga try and go un, undefeated um, and you know I got no problem with them being the best quote-unquote best team in the country now I do want to talk a little bit about this because I, I might be kind of shying away from this a little bit after watching the last couple games but um, you know Colin let's let's talk a little bit about Gonzaga what you've seen so far from them this year um, how much you've watched them, and then uh, you know, kind of your viewpoint on on a mid-major school playing, you know, the schedule that they are through January and February, and and then you know you, they show up as a number one seed in March. Uh, kind of you know, take me through your feelings on that. And for the record, I, I want to start out saying there there are some people out there that are going to think I'm a Gonzaga hater for for my approach and viewpoint on Gonzaga and I want to I want to first off say I am not 
a Gonzaga hater. I, I I love this team. I think they're they're a great team. Um, I just have different viewpoints on them being the the number one team in the country and, and things of that nature. I mean, first of all, once again, I I think Gonzaga is a great team. There, there's no no doubt about that. I, I'm not disputing that with anybody. But one one of the things that that I picked out very early with the Gonzaga schedule that they threw me off it and kind of that that I took a little bit a little bit of issue with, especially with them being ranked number one, is that they didn't play a true road game until December thirty first. Mm-hmm. Now I, I I know some of their neutral site games, like I mean the Tennessee game was in Nashville. It, it wasn't it, it wasn't a quote unquote that that's almost a a true road game, but ticket ticket allotments and things like that make it a little bit different. Um, but I, I just took a little bit of of an issue with that. I think that especially when when some of the mid major schools, part of the problem is they're always complaining that they can't get bigger teams to come to their place and play. They're always having to go to their house. And Gonzaga didn't really do that this year, and and I took a little bit of an of an issue with them being ranked number one because they didn't really challenge themselves to the level that they could have. And don't get me wrong, there are some big name teams. They they played San Diego State, they played Florida, they played Iowa State, they played Arizona, Washington, Tennessee. There are some big name schools on that list, mm-hmm. and and, that, and some and some really good teams. And um, yes. some of them we didn't realize how how just how good they were going to be. Some of them should have been better than they are, and uh, you know, that's not Gonzaga's yeah, fault. That, but when you look true. at San Diego State and the Mountain West, I mean that that win doesn't mean as much as it possibly could have. You go in and beat uh, San Diego State by twenty-one in, uh, the first week of the season, and you're thinking, "Whoa, what is this Gonzaga team?" And then all of a sudden, you know, San Diego State, um, you know, isn't what they've been the last four or five years. So. You know, those are things that Mark Few has to deal with is that if you put a team on the schedule and they don't end up being what you thought they were going to be. I mean, San Diego State's 17 and 13 this year. So, um, you know, that's one of the things they have to deal with that a lot of schools don't is that what they who they schedule and who they play and where they play is going to be scrutinized in March no matter what they do. So, um, and, and Mark Few knows that and he yes. tries to do the best he, he can. And uh, I think Arizona's on the schedule almost Every year, it seems like I could be wrong about that, but it seems like I mean, there's at least one or two big Pac-12 programs that will play them, and, and credit to those teams for playing them. But um, yeah, no, uh, I, your point's well taken, though, about uh, about them not going on the road until until uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy until the start of conference play uh, when they played at Pacific. Um, but uh, you know. Let's talk a little bit about uh, these players, though, because this is not this is not even uh, your Gonzaga team of 2013. You know, this these guys these guys can play some ball, and they have played at a high Division One le- level. Ni- Nigel William Go- Williams Goss, uh, candidate for National Player of the Year. I don't think he'll get it uh, just because Frank Mason uh, and Josh Hart a little bit, but I, I think it's probably going to be Frank Mason. He's just got the national buzz around him, right or wrong. Uh, you know he's fun to watch, and I think that's why he'll probably get the vote in the end. But Nigel Williams Goss transferred in from Washington, averaging 16.4 points, 4.7 assists per game for this uh, Gonzaga team. Uh, I should mention 5.6 rebounds a game as well. And you know, Colin, what do you see when you watch him? Uh, you know, is this you know? Can you? How hard is it to? 
you know, kind of uh, watch a kid who didn't really make a name for himself at a school like Washington, and then he comes in and is, is you know, such a star at Gonzaga. Is that one of the problems that you have, too, is that, you know, we can talk about these guys as top-level recruits or whatever, but they're transferring in from schools that they weren't as prominent at. Is that is that kind of, uh, you know, does that weigh into the argument at all either? For, for me, that actually doesn't. I, I think that kids thrive in different situations. And, I mean, we you don't always know what the situation was. Sometimes you just get into a, into the doghouse early with a coach, and that's the reason that you're not playing. It has nothing to do with your talent level. Sometimes it's just the the system that the coach is running fits you better. And, I mean, it it's obvious that Mark Few's system is working very well for Williams Goss. I mean, he, he has done – everything that Gonzaga has asked for him and beyond. I, I don't think I don't think Mark V would say sit there today and say that this is what he expected him to be, to, to be playing at the level that he is. Um, no, I, I think that these guys, the, the thing about Gonzaga that makes them so dangerous is that despite how, how well Williams Goss is, it's not like they only lean on him. The, this is a very solid unit, and they, they move the ball so well, they find – where teams are weak, and they can attack you from different ways game in and game out. It's never going to be the same. There, there are some teams out there that all they have is the download presence, and that's all they're going to do. Some teams, all they have is the three-point shot and live by the three, die by the three. Gonzaga's not like that. If you if you try and zone them, they'll kick it out, and they can hit those threes. But if if you if you try and guard the perimeter, they're just going to dump it inside. I mean, and, and Williams Goss – is, has been just phenomenal for this team, and, and I don't think that it should be discredited that he transferred and that some of these other guys transferred in. I think mm-hmm. that that he Mark Few finds these guys wherever they are and is able to bring them in and make them mesh as a unit. That that says a lot because transferring in, you, you don't have that same kind of time with all of these kids that some of these other programs do that have some kids – together for two three four years it's not like that some some of these kids are coming in they've got to learn a whole new system they've got to mesh with new teammates and they've done that at a top level yeah absolutely and then you got a kid like jordan matthews and i love this uh these types of stories where a kid you know was fairly successful at cal but you know he wanted a chance to to go for a national title and transfers uh into gonzaga and you know he's a he's a great three-point shooter uh, he's shooting almost 40% from behind the, behind the arc this year. And uh, fun fun thing about him, he was on Teletubbies when he was little. Did you see this, Colin? <laughs> I did. I did see that. <laughs> I think we might have to throw that into the intro or something like that, uh, his uh, little Teletubbies appearance. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, I love that because we're now living in a time when uh, there's a – not just a college basketball player, but a senior and a uh, a really good college basketball player and one of the top teams in the country uh, was on Teletubbies as a child. So nothing makes you feel old like that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Shemek Karnowski, you can't talk about Gonzaga without talking about Karnowski. Uh, you know, struggle with injuries throughout his career, his back. Uh, you know, I think he, it was a possible possibility that he might not ever play basketball again. And uh, you watch him; he's moving really good out there, and the way he he passes the ball, I don't I don't think there's another big man out there. And I know he plays against, uh, you know, a lot of times when we watch him, it's against you know St. Mary's, who doesn't really have a dominant post presence, um, and you know some and some of these teams, uh, and he struggled against BYU uh, against uh, Mika, Eric Mika, um, 
which you know that concerns me just a little bit but i i love watching karnowski he's like a dancing bear out there <laughs> no he he definitely is and i mean throughout throughout the whole season he has just been dominant i mean any any time that you have a player that's that big he's seven one three hundred pounds it, it it's going to be hard for any team to be able to defend that but as you said the way that he's been moving this year has been has been unreal he he's been able to get up and down the court he's been able to have the vision and make some of these passes that a lot of big men can't make especially let alone big men that are 7-1 and I think that I think that's a big factor and I I agree with you I I think Eric Mika's performance against him kind of it it makes you a little bit weary heading into March but I think he's going to take that personally as well and I think that you're going to see see him come out and he's going to be he's going to be ready for the next challenge and I think he's looking forward to the next challenge and I, I, I know he is yeah and to me honestly what that showed to me is that how just how good Eric Mika is I mean that dude he probably could be considered one of the top you know 15 maybe even top 10 big men in the country right now and he's um, only a sophomore yeah and he's only a sophomore and, and you just don't hear about him because uh, BYU's been a little bit down this year um, and they're, I mean, likely not going to get in the tournament unless they can knock off St. Mary's tonight and then go and beat Gonzaga. Um, but I mean, let's talk. Let's let's. I guess let's dive into the debate a little bit because um, you know if Gonzaga goes and wins the conference tournament, I, I don't think there's any real argument from us about what the committee's going to do. They're going to be on the one line. What do you think about that, uh, Colin? With with the one loss, seeing them and you know go down at uh, to. Uh, BYU, or yeah, so seeing them go down to BYU the other night, uh, what do you think about them being uh, a number one seed currently with the one loss, um, you know, with their resume that they put together? Uh, I mean, honestly, I thought they should, I think they should be around a two seed. Um, I, I I, think that if they go undefeated, they, they have earned that right. But I think the one loss, especially with this schedule, and I mean, they, they haven't played... I mean, St. Mary's is the toughest opponent that they've played since December 18th when they played Tennessee. And it's just, I don't know, it, that takes something away from me. Um, it's obviously not Gonzaga's fault that the conference has been a little bit down. And St. Mary's is still a very good team, but this isn't even the St. Mary's team from a couple years ago. This St. Mary's team isn't quite as strong as some of those other ones have been. So... To take that loss still in conference, it it took a little bit more away, and I think that they should personally be on the two line, but I could see them getting in. I, I don't think they should be one of the top three number one seeds for sure. I mean, I, I think North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas, I, I think that should be locked up as the top three seeds no matter what, unless obviously yeah. barring one of them losing early in their conference tournament, but... I, I think Gonzaga, I think a two-line, I think it would be very appropriate for this team, honestly. Yeah, what teams do you see then, you know, sneaking into that fourth number one over them, uh, either either if they win or lose? Because I think if they lose, um, there's a good case to be made that they probably, they probably will drop off that one line. But, um, you know, is it going to be someone from the Pac-12, whether it's UCLA or Arizona or Oregon going and winning? Or, you know, you know is there somebody else out there that you think is – is ready to 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 take that fourth number one. I re- I really do think that the it's going to be the Pac-12 champion, and I honestly I really think it comes down between UCLA and Oregon. 
I yeah. think Arizona's loss to UCLA at the end of the year, I think that that has capped their ceiling at a two seed. But I think if I think if either Oregon or UCLA takes home the Pac-12 championship, that they're going to end up on that one line before it's all said and done. Um, and, and I think I, I really don't think Kentucky should should be in the conversation for a one seed at, at all. To be honest with you, um, and and I think I think what it also comes down to is the ACC. If if North Carolina or Louisville ends up winning or if I mean and the ACC is very deep as we know there's mm-hmm. Virginia do any of those teams could end up coming out with it but I think if Louisville wins they might have an argument to jump into the one seed but we'll, we'll have to see how it, how it shakes out yeah absolutely but just going back to Gonzaga I think the only issue that I take with that argument um with them not being on the one line uh with the one loss is just you know, it's not just their record this year. It's not. It's not like they're just. I mean, they are just going and killing these, um, you know, West Coast Conference teams. But you look at you know some of the national statistics. You look at some of the the metrics, uh, offensive and de- defensive efficiency, and they're top three in both of those. Especially defensive efficiency, where they're you know far and above number one. And you could say what you want about the the teams that they're playing uh, toward the end of the season, kind of uh, you know having effect having an effect on that. But then you watch them play against St. Mary's, who's a top three offensive efficiency team as well, and you see how they're able to you know completely you know take away with uh, what St. Mary's was doing. Uh, I, I know in the second half they came back a little bit, but I I, I just think that Gonzaga when you've got so many metrics in college basketball that measure teams and, and Gonzaga, I think I saw on Kempom, they're like, they got a chance to finish as the, the, the best, you know, with the best Kempom rating of any team in college basketball or since Ken Palm has been around. Uh, you know, I think that some of that stuff has to be taken into account and not just the RPI, uh, not just the strength, of schedule, uh, because when you beat every single team, um, you know, I, I I just think strength of schedules come, sometimes gets overblown with the RPI and and all that stuff. What do you think about that? I I think it does to a certain extent. Um, I don't think the RPI and strength of shed, schedule should be the be all end all. But at yeah. the same time, and it's not I, going to be. It's not yeah. going to be moving forward. Uh, they're going to start. Uh, they're going to bring in some kind of composite next year. I guess we should mention that and and maybe. Um, who knows what that would do to the debate inside the room? Uh, and I know some of those, some of the committee members already use Ken Palm and use that stuff, but to have a composite, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that affects seating moving forward, uh, especially when it comes to the Gonzaga, the Wichita State argument. argument. No, I, I completely agree, but I, I do think you have to kind of, you have to bring it into play. It has to be talked about their their schedule, and once again, it is by no fault of Gonzaga's that the WCC is kind of down. I mean, especially having BYU being a little bit down this year, being kind of their toughest other competition other than St. Mary's, I, I think that does hurt them. Um, I, I think that I think that that is going to weigh on the committee. Um, but like I said, they're 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 right on that line. They're right on that fringe number one, number two line, and I think it, a lot of it is going to depend. They have to take care of business in the WCC tournament, but a lot yeah. of it is going to depend on what happens in those those other tournaments. Yeah, we're we're talking about this uh, right now on 
Monday morning, uh, and they play tonight uh, against Santa Clara in the semifinals. I don't think there should be much of a problem there. Um, you know, I know Josh Perkins went down with a little bit of an ankle tweak the other day, and and backcourt depth is an issue. I think you maybe just sit him tonight, as at least as much as you can. I, I would um, to rest him up for uh, for either St. Mary's or BYU, but um, you know, so it's kind of hard to predict, but. You know, just looking, we've both seen this team, I think, uh, enough. Um, you know, where do you see, what's their ceiling? Do you think that this is the first team to get to the Final Four? Or do you think that the fact that they've been kind of playing cupcakes, do you think they're going to have a hard time like they have in the past? Stepping up their game when, when they see, uh, you know, a North Carolina or, you know, one of those teams from the Pac-12, Oregon, Arizona again. Uh, you know, do you think it's going to be kind of a struggle? UCLA, um, you know, a team with you know equal or, or greater talent than them. Do you think that's going to be a struggle for them, like it has in the past? I, I think no matter what. I mean, anytime any team plays those guys, it's going to be a struggle. First of all, but I, yeah, I also, yeah, no, I also that's that's a good point. It, it's, I think it hurts their team in some way that that they have been beating so many of these teams so easily, you get used to that. And when you get into some close game situations, when you haven't been doing it all year, it's a little bit more difficult to recreate. Not to say that they haven't played in any close games. I mean, their their Saint Mar- their game at St. Mary's, they won by 10. But that was also, I mean, they, they had a pretty big lead at some point in that game. That, that wasn't really a, a back-and-forth type battle. Yeah, like, and I think people, people. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but I, I think people thought that St. Mary's was going to be a real challenger that, to them. I think that has maybe you know provided a little bit of a, um, you know, that's kind of been a shadow over this argument is that a lot of people even picked preseason national writers that I saw picked um, St. Mary's over Gonzaga. And so I think there's a, a sense that they don't want to be wrong about St. Mary's, and mm-hmm. but but Gonzaga is when they get on the floor together. I mean, Gonzaga, you saw it. I, I think Gonzaga is just clearly better than St. Mary's. I agree. I agree 100. percent And and yeah, yeah. But go ahead with what what you were um, saying there. But but I just think when you when you're not playing that many close games, like and and don't get me wrong, Gonzaga shouldn't isn't being faulted right now for blowing out teams because they're far better than. Them. That that's just how it is. But when when you're used to that, when you get into those late game situations, I mean that that is part of the thing with the more competitive conferences. And, and I'm not just talking high major. I'm, I mean the the A10 conferences that are just more competitive, top to bottom. You're playing in those closer games, and you you learn how to win those games. When you're constantly winning games by 20, 30, 40 points, you're you're not doing that night in and night out. So when you get into those Situations. First of all, you're playing against teams that are far more athletic than some of the teams that you've been playing against. And you're all of a sudden getting into those close game situations near the end of the game. Who do you go to? Who's your go-to guy? What's your plan of attack? How do you lock down defensively? Those are things that you haven't been practicing in, that you haven't been having the in-game situations night in and night out. And I think that's a struggle for any team. Um I, I think a lot of it is really going to depend on the draw for Gonzaga. I mean, like it does with most teams. But I, I think there are a few teams out there that, given the draw, could really give them give them some trouble. 
Um, I, I think I think the guard play of Louisville could could really give give Gonzaga trouble. Um, I think the UCLA's of the world could give Gonzaga trouble. And I mean, once again, these are teams that can give anybody trouble. But mm-hmm. I, I really think it's going to be it's going to be very dependent on the draw. I I personally think the ceiling for them is an elite eight this year. Um, I I don't see them being able to make the final four. I, I think they are capable of it, but I, I would be, I would be surprised. I, I mm-hmm. think that that Elite Eight would be, and I mean that should be a very successful season. And but I know Gonzaga and, is and so thirsty be, but, for yeah. getting for getting that that first Final Four. You know, those players can say all they want, but you know they hear it. They they see the headlines. They listen to the questions that are you know are brought at them from from national media when they play a game on game day against you know St. Mary's. They hear it. They know that that the that this program is ready to take the next step and ready to get to the final four. They know that that is the, the expectation here for this team and, and anything else less is going to be a failure. And that's tough for any program, but I was starting to get a little concerned actually the other night when I was watching them against Pacific, uh, a Damon, uh, a Damon Stoudemire coach Pacific, by the way, which that'll make you feel old as well. Um, but I, I was getting concerned when I was watching that game because I, I see what you're saying. They just seem so relaxed playing against the teams that they're playing because they know they know that no matter what they do, they're going to be able to turn it on the second half and beat some of these teams. Uh, and that makes you know that's that's hard for anybody um, to um, to get up for games like that night in and night out. Um, but I think what we're going to see um, in the tournament from them, it's difficult without looking at a bracket and seeing what the matchups are going to be. But I I mean, I definitely think this team's capable of making a Final Four. And to be honest, I'm going to root for it because I like Mark Few. I like Gonzaga. I like what they've done year in and year out. And I think it's time for all the critics. And I I think I I put you among them sometimes. Yes, oh, for Uh, sure, for sure. uh, It's time for all the critics to kind of sit down and shut up and, and see Gonzaga do it because... You know, we've seen so many programs get there as a fluke, and this wouldn't be a fluke. You know, this is this is a program that's earned it, uh, that's put together. You know, great teams. Uh, you know, it's difficult to do that out in Spokane, out in the West Coast Conference, to do what Mark Few's done year in and year out, and to stick to stay there and not jump to somewhere else. Uh, I think it would be incredible to see, uh, and maybe that's kind of uh, clouds my judgment as well as uh, wanting to see it get done. Um, maybe I maybe I just. Uh, you know, hope for it a little bit too much, but let's move on to some other conversation because I know we got a lot uh, we kind of wanted wanted to get to. And uh, Colin, I know you got to run, um, but let's talk a little bit about the Atlantic Ten because I mean, this is a conference that I think we both love watching, and sometimes uh, you know it's difficult. They play on Friday nights uh, now on, on ESPN, which makes it makes it a little bit easier. But um, you know, the Atlantic Ten. Um, you know, tell me what you've seen so far. Uh, obviously, VCU and Dayton at the top. Um, I I mentioned something to you about Dayton the other night uh, that I want to get to, but um, you know, what do you think about um, the Atlantic Ten this year and what you've seen from uh, VCU, Dayton, Rhode Island, all three teams probably looking at getting the NCAA tournament this year? Uh, I I've been. I mean, as you mentioned, that the Atlantic Ten is one of one of our favorite conferences to watch. I think it it's so competitive top to top to middle bottom there um <laughs> I, I i think that that it, it it is 
by far one of the best mid-major conferences, without a question. Uh, I mean, everyone knows what VCU did in the past, and and once again, that that is no fluke. V, VCU is is a legitimate program, and they're a program that has sustained the coaching change and everything like that, and they're still still a force to be reckoned with. But I, I think Dayton has impressed me all year long as as one of the top programs in the country. Um, I, I really think that, that this team, we, we were talking about it the other day, I, I really do think that Dayton is capable of making a big run in this tournament. Um, I, I think that they, they, they have all the pieces. They've got a group of seniors that have been together, that have been on this stage before and have performed. And I, I think they're, they're ready to, to make another run. I, I really do. And I think Rhode Island is a team that early in the season, when I had watched them, I, I was very underwhelmed. And I mean, they did kind of struggle early in the season. They took that early loss to, to Duke. They went on the road and they lost to Valpo. They, they lost to Providence. They lost to Houston. So they struggled in some of those early games, but they, they really started to turn it on as of late and they started to impress me. And, and I, I think they're getting it figured out right at the perfect time. This is kind of when you want to get hot, and they are getting hot. And I think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the in the A10 tournament as well. Um, I I think that also the Richmonds and St. Bonaventures of this conference. They're, yeah, they're I mean, no, never, they're no yeah. easy out in in the A10 tournament, and I, they know that they're they're probably not going to be making it into the tournament unless they make that kind of run. And these are teams that are very capable of making that run in the A-10 tournament. I think I think this is going to be one of the best conference tournaments to watch. I think it's very deep. And this this league is a lot deeper than, than people give it credit for sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and where is the Atlantic 10 tournament this year? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I was just gonna look that up, but uh, yeah, no. Let's. Uh, I think when I turned on the TV the other night and I was watching, uh, actually, I had to go find a stream of it because it was on CBS Sports Network, and that's part of the problem here is we've got Dayton and VCU playing on uh, on CBS Sports Network, and you can't stream it, uh, and so it's kind of hard to follow some of these teams sometimes. But I was just, you know, I was watching Dayton, and they've got, you know, their roster is just stacked with these guys that, uh, you know talk about name recognition you know these are the these are the same guys a lot of them that uh you know took down syracuse a couple years ago and made it to the elite eight uh you got kendall pollard still there scoochie smith uh and kyle davis uh all seniors and then charles cook who transferred in um from james madison i believe and is their leading scorer at 16.2 points per game they play great defense they pressure you they run um, you know they're gonna make they're gonna cause some teams some real problems, especially some some of these bigger major teams. I think are gonna have problems you know keeping up with Dayton. Uh, and I know that I'm saying this a day after they, or two days after they lost their uh, final regular season game, but they had already clinched the regular season. I'm not that worried about that loss, um, which was to um, George Washington. George Washington, by the way, yeah. Uh, so bad loss going into the conference tournament, but on the road after clinching the the a10 regular season championship and i'm not gonna worry about to that too much uh i'd like and, to see them and that's, uh, that's i'd also, like to see them go on a run here though and win the, the conference tournament for me to feel uh really confident but like I, I, this is what i told colin i was watching i was watching dayton the other night and i was like this this is a sweet 16 team 
to me with the talent that they've got on the floor, the experience, um, and the fact that nobody's really like talking about them in that in that way, which which makes a team hungry. That keeps you, I think, motivated. That uh, you know we're sitting here at 24 and six and nobody's talking about us and we're dating and we're packing uh, a 10,000 seat arena every night, like wake up, you know, uh, I think that's going to really fuel them going into to, um, March here. I, I completely agree. And once again, this is another team that eliminate that, that last loss. I mean, that's coming off a big win against VCU. It did just clinch the title. I mean, I, I, I don't think they were as focused for that game as they will be moving forward. This is another team, though, that that they got hot late once again. And, I mean, this this Dayton team is going to be a factor. I, I don't care who who they play. They're going to be a factor. They're going to give anybody. There, there isn't a single team that I look at in in the bracket that I, I would just, oh, yeah, they're, they'll blow Dayton away. Dayton doesn't want to play that. I mean, I think Dayton's ready for anyone too. I think they want to be playing those big, those bigger guys. They're they're not afraid of playing anybody. Oh no, they're definitely not. They're definitely not afraid of it because they've played everybody. You know. Yep. They, you know these guys. They. You talk about being able to preach to the younger younger guys on the roster. I mean, they went in and they beat one of the best Syracuse teams. I think we we've we've seen. Uh, you know, that was a, just such a shock and uh, that that run that they went on to to get to the Elite Eight. Um, and they've got Archie Miller. I mean, that's something that you can never discount a team with a great coach. Um, you know, I think he's almost put himself at the level to be talked about. I don't know if it's fair or not, but uh, uh, Mark Fuse definitely accomplished more. But I think those two are kind of talked about in the same conversation. Uh, two guys at, at smaller schools that um, have kind of stuck around longer than they they needed to, um, along with Greg Marshall. Um, but it's really special what those what those programs are doing. Um, and speaking of special programs, uh, let's talk a little bit about VCU. Um, do you think that VCU, I, I watched them the other night against Dayton. Um, uh, they made a nice comeback, but Mo Alley Cox is still there. It seems like he's been there forever. But uh, do you think that's a team uh, that's ready here, or is it going to be kind of a, you know, a team that got lucky a little bit to be in their conference race, which they did, and, um, you know, they – a very good basketball team, but do you think they're going to kind of, uh, you know, fade out here and we'll kind of forget about them as March rolls on? I, I think they're, they're a very streaky team. And with VCU, you kind of never know which VCU team you're going to get. Um, I think they, they can play to the level of their competition, and they do that a lot. And I think that that, that it, in the tournament, that's a good thing. Because for the most part, you're going to be playing better teams, so you're gonna you're gonna raise the level of your competition, and you're gonna be playing better. But I I don't know this this isn't the same exact VCU team. I mean, especially if they have them right now, they're they're floating around that nine ten line. I I don't know. I I think they're capable of winning a game in the tournament, but I don't know if they're capable of making making a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, no, I feel you there, I, and it's gonna be weird. It, like, like you said, they might end up with a nine or a ten seed, and you just wonder, you know, who they get drawn against, uh, you know, where they end up. Uh, and honestly, when you're talking about Rhode Island, maybe they get seated as an eleven, and you like their matchup a little bit more, and you like the three that they're going up against a little bit more, and and maybe you think that uh, Rhode Island's a bigger threat uh, just based on on matchups. But uh, 
you know, VCU had interesting run through the middle of the season, obviously the St. Bonaventure game and the, and the George Washington game, uh, you know, to, to pull out wins of both of those and credit to Dayton for overcoming that. Um, you know, you had to sit there and think, man, what are we got to do to, uh, to pull in front of this conference? And turns out you just got to beat them at the end of the year <laughs> and they, and they did it. Um, and so credit to, to Dayton for pulling out that regular season championship. I, I just, I just like this Dayton team and it's part of it's because, uh, you know, I, I've got a friend who, who graduated from there. I, I follow that program a little bit. I've been to a couple of their games, uh, in the past and we've both been in that arena and we both know how good of a basketball town it is. Uh, and so I think we get to this time, time of the year and with Archie Miller and you just kind of want to see, want to see Dayton go on a run and want to see them, uh, flood the streets again and, uh, <laughs> you know, have some, uh, some crazy post, uh, post St. Patty's Day fun. You, you know that they're always going to have fun on St. Patty's Day and, and every night in Dayton, but uh, man, it's crazy when they when they win an NCAA tournament game, so that'd be fun to see again. Um, I guess where do you want to head next, Colin? Uh, anything else you want to touch on with the A-10, or should we jump forward and uh, touch on some of the stuff um, from the American, the, the Valley, the Mountain West, or maybe just jump straight into uh, any of the results we saw over the weekend? Uh, I do want to talk about the American a little bit. Um, I think it is a very interesting conversation. I think what Cincinnati and SMU have done have really surprised a lot of people. Um, I mean, Cincinnati has all of a sudden become a team that no one wants to play and, and no one wants to see in March. And I think SMU has become the same, and they struggled a little bit early in the season and talk about a team that's figured it out. I mean, they they haven't lost since their game at Cincinnati. And I mean that game was back that game was back in January. Yeah, no, and, SMU and and I watched the their last meeting with uh, Cincinnati and you just kind of thought Cincinnati was going to pull away and then all of a sudden, you know, I I think I was working on something and I looked up and SMU's right in the middle of that run that they went on, and oh my gosh, that team, when they get going, that is, um, you know, that's a team that we haven't really seen a lot on national broadcast, so you kind of forget about, and I think this might be the year that they kind of break through into that conversation, and, and uh, you know, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, th- I don't think they've been to the Sweet 16 yet um, since they've been good, and, um, you know, it, it could be, you know, this could be the year for them. I think. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, the other night. I have to admit, I was looking early at earlier at some of the some of the early projections, even as as soon as a couple weeks ago. I was looking at this, and I was saying, "Oh, well, SMU's an out there. That that's kind of upset special. Who, whoever draws SMU, and they've changed my perception of them. It it's done a complete 180." I mean, but, how, but how much of that do you think I, I look at the A10 or not the A10 the uh, American this year um, and I feel the same about them as I do about the, the West Coast Conference I, I just every, everyone's so down and, and maybe that's unfair because I, I, I obviously know that, that UConn's a better program than San Francisco I know that yeah, um, yeah. but, but uh, the drop off there is just so drastic no it, it definitely is um, I mean it it's far and away as it's a it's a two horse race. Uh, as SMU and Cincinnati are far and away the top teams in that conference. Um, personally, I think Houston has. I, I think their losses are 
too bad to overlook really they oh they, yeah they the fact some, that yeah, I mean, they, the fact that they were even on the bubble of just yeah they, the they have some they have some horrendous me. losses um but i i don't know i mean i i agree with i agree with what you're saying there's definitely a major drop off it's it's not like they're playing the some top competition every single night but i at the same time just with the eye test the SMU has really started to impress me, and I mean just the the way that that team is meshing and coming together, uh, the way that they're playing, it it's it's exactly what a coach wants to see right right around this time of year, and I, I think they're going to be they they have turned themselves into a team that no one wants to play anymore. Yeah, does that almost play into Cincinnati's hands though? Uh, being a you know a program that that does this year in and year out, McCronin, um, you know, does that play into their hands a little bit that they're kind of playing second, second fiddle almost right now, going into the conference tournament and into March it, um, from their own conference? Oh, it, it definitely does. I mean that that is kind of as you mentioned that that's kind of where Cincinnati wants to be. I mean, of course, every team wants to be number one, but th- this is kind of where they're comfortable. This is what they're used to. They're they're used to kind of flying under the radar, and they started to kind of get on top, and then SMU got hot, and now they're starting to fly under the radar again. And and I agree with you. I I think you should see them matching up in the in the American Championship game, and that 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 should be a hell of a game. And yeah, I, I think they're ready for they're ready for March as well. I think those are two teams that that nobody wants to face. Yeah, I just feel like one of them is gonna gonna pop up in the Sweet Sixteen and and have a chance to to make it a run in an Elite Eight. Um, just because they've both been too good for one of them not to. But I, I guess you know the tournament's a tournament, and you never know what's gonna happen. Uh, but I, I just that's kind of how I see see that. Um, See that shaking out as we move forward. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Valley, uh, have a conversation a little bit similar to the one we had about uh, Gonzaga, but in a different year for, for Wichita State where they didn't win their early games. They they didn't um, you know beat the top 50 RPI teams that they had on their schedule, and it kind of left them in a bind. And, you know, they said, you know what, Jerry Palm and uh, all you guys, uh, we're just going to go ahead and win this Valley Championship so you, you guys can uh, stop debating whether we're going to get in the tournament. We'll just take care of that right up front. Um, they, they looked really good yesterday. They looked really, really good against Illinois State. Um, really no problems there. And, you know, this is a team, Wichita State, back in the tournament. And they are as hot as they've ever been, really, other than the 30-0 the year. Um I think this is a team that's gonna, you know, probably be hard to pick against again. Oh, I I completely agree, and I I think that that first game at Illinois State back on January fourteenth that they that they lost, they kind of took one on the chin there, and I think that woke this team up and has sent them to a new level. It it really has, and I mean it was it was so much more evident that that next game against. Illinois State when when they hosted them, I mean they that yeah, I turned that on because I was like oh man this is a big game you got to watch it and it uh, it was you know. over twenty minutes and, in I mean yeah. it, that game that game it was over from the tip really I mean they came out and that team was so focused they were so ready and you really saw it again in in the Valley Championship game they came out Illinois State started to cut it cut it get it a little bit close early and then they just went on another run. And any time it looked like Illinois State was about to make to try and cut into that lead, 
they just went on another run. And, and this is a team that they, they're right back where they were. I think this team is, I'm not going to say as dangerous, but they're pretty close to being as dangerous as, as they were a couple years ago. I, th- I think this is a team that is more than capable of making another run. I would not be surprised to see this team make an Elite Eight. Yeah, and yesterday the big thing I took out, uh, I think, uh, from watching them uh, was was Connor Frankamp. Uh, you know, he's only their fifth leading scorer, but when your fifth leading scorer can go off in a championship game for 19 points uh, and and make three three pointers, and, and I, I don't know, how, I I don't have it in front of me, but I think a lot of those were in the first half. Uh, really got them off to a good start. Uh, you know, this is a team that uh, is deep. They're good, and they found their identity. And that's the thing that this this is a team. You if you want to go look, uh, you know, you're trying to figure out who you're going to pick in your brackets. You're looking at schedules, who teams beat, who they lost to. Just throw out the first 15 games of Wichita State season. Honestly. I agree. I agree. 100%. Because because they lost, you know, Fred Van Vliet. They lost, um, you know, Ron Baker. They lost the core of that team that has been so good over the last few years and they were just trying to find themselves and but the the, the hard part though when you're Wichita State or you're Gonzaga or one of these teams is the most important games on your schedule are in November and December and for Wichita State they weren't who they were going to be in November and December so just you know and honestly for seeding purposes I think the the um See the selection committee will do this a little bit, but honestly, I, for all for all purposes, just throw out the first ten games for Wichita State because they didn't they don't mean anything to me. The way that I'm watching this team right now, I, I think they're you know clearly a top twenty team to me. I I completely. Agree. I mean, I, in all honesty, if you if you match this team up with Michigan State or Oklahoma State today, I'm taking Wichita State all day. I I. And without a doubt, I'm taking Wichita State against them. But I completely agree. This is a completely different team now than it was at the beginning of the season. And this team has found their identity. Now, let, let me ask you this. Where do you interesting stand? Thing. Inter- 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 interesting thing I just realized is that uh, Landry Shamet, who's their second leading scorer this year, I, I covered him last year in high school uh, in the Kansas City area. Oh, wow. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a freshman. Uh, maybe he's a sophomore. Yeah, he's a sophomore. So two years ago, I covered him uh, at Park Hill High School. Um, yeah, no, he he was really good in high school. I'm not surprised that he's playing this early. But second leading scorer, that's uh, that's pretty neat. Anyway, let let me ask you, you this: Where do you stand on Illinois State for the tournament? Do you think they should be in? This is a team that has only two wins against the RPI top 100. They, they passed the eye test, in my opinion. I, I think this is a very talented team, but their schedule, I mean, their strength of schedule is 155th, and, and that's that's going to play a factor into the committee. Their, their wins, if, if you're wondering, are New Mexico, and obviously they're one at Wichita yeah, I'm State. Looking at, yeah, but, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, yeah, the, I, I just, uh, this is a tough one for me, because after watching them yesterday, um you know, this is the same argument. Theoretically, this is the same argument you should have had about Wichita State. But you know, Wichita State's got the name recognition, and I think we both see that team, and we see uh, you know a tournament team. Illinois State's got a little bit. You know, they've got a little bit tougher hill to climb because they haven't done it. I think I saw somewhere somewhere that um, they have maybe never won the Valley Tournament. Um, either that or it's been a really long time. Uh, but you think about the teams that used to be in that with the crate with Creighton, 
um, and uh, you know, obviously Northern Iowa and, and and Wichita State. It's not an easy tournament to win, but uh, you think I kind of think of Illinois State. Uh, uh, I think we do, um, just because we we have had a professor who went there, and uh, you know, those fans uh, are rabid, and they, they 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 think of their program in a certain light. But nationally, they've got a little bit of a hill to climb, I think, to get into this field. Um, but my opinion on this is always that they didn't have very many chances. Um, and you can sit there and take, um, Georgia Tech or Wake Forest or whoever you want to take, um, from the ACC who had 15 chances at a RPI, RPI top 50 win, and they won maybe say five of them, um, and lost 10 and you can put them in the tournament fine, but we know who they are. And they had their chances, and to me, Illinois State didn't have their chances. And that you see them, they're a really good team. Uh, they're sitting here at twenty-seven and six. I would have them in the field just for that reason that they're they're more of an unknown. And honestly, when they get a big game, when they when they got into the Wichita State game, I, I think that they kind of were a little tight yesterday, um, and we didn't really see. I mean, they hit. Um, God, they were so cold from three yesterday. And I know that that's not them. The night before, they were saying that they hit like 10 three-pointers or something like that. And yesterday, I'm looking at the box score, they they went 6 of 28 from three yesterday. Yeah, um, they, and part they of that's which, Yeah, I mean, but I, I just don't think – I think that the Illinois State that we saw against Wichita State both of the last two times is not the best that they can play. They were a little tight. You get them into a tournament game as a 10 or 11 seed – and you let them go and and kind of uh, play loose against one of these big teams. I, th- I think that they've got every shot of beating them more than a major conference team that we've seen losing that situation, you know, numerous different times. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, look at what Syracuse did last year. Maybe I'm wrong on that argument. I just would rather see, I would rather see the the smaller team in the tournament. No, I I completely agree with you. Um, let let me ask you this. I, this is kind of getting off topic but I I just started looking and just started started thinking about it but I mean first first of all I do agree with you I think I would much rather from what I've seen from Illinois State I would rather give that team a chance over I mean some of the teams that that have been talked about for being on the bubble like my biggest one I've talked to you I've talked with you about this a little bit but Clemson being on the ball, yeah, I think Clem- I think Clemson's done at this point. Being but, from yeah, yeah, I've still seen them popping up though. Yeah, and there are still people talking. I mean, the, this is a team just because you're in the ACC, it's being that that conference is being so overrated because the top is very very good, mm-hmm. but the teams that that are barely 500 should not be anywhere near the conversation. And teams like Illinois State should be. But where do you stand on? Teams like Illinois State compared to the the Belmonts and and the Monmouths that that all of a sudden they they took one on the chin in their conference championship games and these are teams that were consistently good throughout the season and who everyone had kind of already penciled into the bracket is moving on and all of a sudden they lose that where where do you see What's kind of your opinion on that? I think uh, when you talk about talent level um, and just the the level that you're at in in uh, the Ohio Valley and 
um it's the the mac right yeah for yes. for yeah yeah um I just I just think that those teams have got I mean it sucks because Belmont Belmont especially I think has a little bit of an argument to to at least be considered Monmouth to me didn't do what they needed to do I think the the record is just a little bit worse and uh, you know it's it's sad I wanted to talk about Monmouth a little bit because um, you know that's a team that they they had their hearts broken they were so good last year they had you know the RPI wins they had they played the schedule that they needed to play and they really should have gotten in the tournament and they they really you know they really you know they got screwed over last year they did um and but this year they just don't have they don't have the same uh you know buzz around them and they don't they they honestly didn't do what they did the year before because they didn't get into the same um situation with a preseason tournament uh early season tournament that they that they were in the year before I agree I mean um, their best win was was at Memphis which I mean, Memphis is a middle of the road American team. Yeah, and and I, it sucks. But I watched them yesterday, and they were in a, a dog fight with uh, Sienna. And Sienna's no you know no slouch. I was watching them. I was like, man, this team's actually pretty good. But uh, you know, they're not going to get in. And and I and I don't have like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry over over Monmouth not getting in. They should have won the conference tournament. Uh, it sucks that they weren't able to get it done two years in a row because this is probably I, I don't know my Monmouth basketball history, but that is a damn good team, and uh, probably the best team that they've ever had or very close to it the last two years. But just get, didn't get it done. And um, in the case of what's the other one that you were talking about? Uh, Belmont. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Belmont's the same. I feel the same way about Belmont. I I, I just. And they went into their conference tournament like twenty-one and five or something like that. Uh, really good basketball team, but when you're in the Ohio Valley, you don't you don't have any room to slip up. Uh, Illinois State, I think, has kind of earned it. Um, they've been really good the last two years. Um, it's kind of seemed that they've been really good the last two years. Haven't been able to win the, the conference tournament, but there's they're Wichita also playing State with Wichita State. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely yep. agree. I was I was just curious. I, I I have the same exact thoughts as you do out on that. Actually, I was just curious to to where you stood on that. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I would love to see them get in, but I just uh, I, I don't have the same I, I can't apply to that same argument that I just did to, to Illinois State um, because they're they're the level of competition that they're playing is um, you know it's completely different. Yes, it's I completely different. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that said, after we just pissed off all the uh, small conference teams, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's out there listening uh you know let's talk a little bit about uh those small conference tournaments about uh some of the ones we saw over the weekend the the fun one to me was uh the big south uh with with winthrop uh beating uh campbell and campbell just went on this tear uh that dude chris clemens uh man 51 points in a in a big win uh, over Asheville, Asheville, yeah, UNC Asheville, uh, and then going up against Keon Johnson from Winthrop. That was the little guy game. It was uh, it's like five seven against five nine going at each other, uh, and you know that was fun to watch. Keon Johnson uh, from Mansfield, Ohio, is going to be one of the fun fun players to watch uh, if you're looking for a little guy in the tournament. Yeah, I mean that that Big South tournament was nothing short of crazy. It. I mean, coming into it, you gave had, a nice road to uh, to Winthrop. <laughs> yeah, it, it really did. And I mean, Gardner Webb gave gave Winthrop a game. That game went into overtime, and Winthrop was able to come out with that victory. But I mean, yeah, you had 
Campbell make the run that they did in beating Asheville the way that they did, and then you had Liberty going down to Radford. I mean that 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 tournament was was pretty nuts. The other one that has been I, I don't think anyone saw coming is the Horizon League. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to get into the Horizon League uh, a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, I'll just let you talk a bit, a little bit about that. Maybe um, I think we would. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Yeah, no, honestly, we, we can talk about it now if you want. Um, the Horizon League, because you were up there with uh, Detroit Mercy, Mercer, or Detroit, Detroit Mercy. Mercy, <laughs> not Mercer. Uh, you were up there with Detroit Mercy uh, last year and got to see the carnage. Uh, you know, what do you think those uh, those people that, that brought the tournament to Detroit are thinking right now? Oh, I mean, well, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, last year the Horizon League tournament was moved to Detroit, and... Oakland University and Detroit Mercy are right there. So, first of all, the other Horizon League members were, were kind of mad that, that it was moved to Detroit because it gave them a, a hometown advantage. But So they had both those teams in it, and there was, there was a possibility of a semifinal matchup between Detroit and Oakland, which would have sold out Joe Louis Arena. And then the, the marquee matchup that was projected for the finals with the Alec Peters-led Valpo team against the Kay Felder-led Oakland team, all all the glitz and the glamour, then Detroit lost before they could play Oakland in the semifinals. So that didn't happen. And then both Oakland and Valpo lost in the semifinals, and so neither team ended up playing in the championship game, and Green Bay ended up coming out on top. This year, once again, you have Oakland as the one seed, then coming into the tournament, Alec Peters, who's one of the best players in the country. That's just that's just major, so unfortunate. He, uh, he ends up getting hurt, and yeah, it, like you said, I mean that that Valpo team was one of the top mid-major teams in the entire country with Alec yeah. Peters. They, yeah. they and then without him, they're just and yeah, it, it's tough to. I mean, you're talking tough, about a possible anyone, NBA lottery pick. Yeah, he. I mean, in the that, Horizon League, so yeah, when, when you when you've got a player of that caliber and you lose him, it's. It's very tough to overcome, but you come into the into the Horizon League on day one, both the lower seeds when you had Youngstown State knock off Cleveland State, and then the battle of the two University of Michigan assistant coaches in their first season for their respective schools, Bakari Alexander at Detroit Mercy and Laval Jordan at Milwaukee, and Milwaukee knocks off Detroit. M- Milwaukee had five five wins all season, <laughs> and, they're, they, and they're and, still playing. And yeah, they then they go and they knock off Valpo. UIC beats Green Bay, who is the three seed. So they're playing each other. And then the craziest situation: the Youngstown State Oakland finish. If you didn't see this, you you have to look this up, by the way, because it was unbelievable. Youngstown State gets the ball. They run a corner out of bounds play looking like they're going to take heave the three at the buzzer. They draw everyone, leak out their forward from the backside, gets down on the block, and instead of shooting the three, just dumps it down low and wide open layup at the buzzer to knock off the one seed Oakland. Just unbelievable. So now you're sitting and you have the nine-seeded Youngstown State playing the four-seed Northern Kentucky, who is one of the newest members to Division One. They just moved up, I believe it was two years ago, just moved up from... from yeah, no, two. they were they were playing uh, Ashland in some sports uh, yep. when we were there. Uh, 
they were yeah so this might be maybe the second year of them having eligibility being eligible yes eligible. it is yeah. it is the second year of them being eligible so you've got you've got them looking like they've kind of got the fast track but take on the nine seed youngstown state then you've got the 10 seed and shout out to uh cameron morse the kid who made that pass uh junior from from flint michigan and he's a he's their leading scorer and you know he wanted the ball in that situation and the shot and he completely sold it you know he did he, he took off like he was gonna shoot that thing and just like zip that pass oh man I, I was freaking i was watching that game and uh you know maybe we should mention we both pick every single conference tournament uh and that's kind of what kind of sparked this uh whole podcast but um, you know, I had Oakland. I think you had Oakland too, and yeah. and I was I was freaking out because that that was uh, man, what a play to drop in that situation. Uh, great coaching and great execution by uh, by the Penguins. I I agree. Yeah, that, there there's have been. I mean, this March already has not disappointed at all. No, not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, we already talked a little bit about the OVC with Belmont going down, uh, but Murray State made a little bit of a run that that we kind of expected a little bit uh, and they finally got beat uh but jacksonville state's going to the tournament um and then in the a sun uh just to talk just to kind of round out the, the teams that uh that have clinched bids uh dunk city uh florida gulf coast they look pretty damn they've looked pretty dang good again they 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 really did i i watched their game against north florida yesterday and i mean that that team just they they just have it. <laughs> yeah, they kinda, do. It's, they it's do. kind of hard to put your finger on it. I mean, but th- that team is just so athletic. And, I mean, people get wrapped up in in Dunk City and, and all of that. And this team is a little bit different. This this isn't the same Dunk City team. They're not just flying up and down the court like they used to be. This team plays a lot more half court. But they they just have it. They, they mesh together really well as a unit. And, and I mean, don't, don't get it twisted though. This, this is still very, very athletic team. No. And, and it, I mean, what they look like is a team that, you know, watched Dunk City on TV a couple years ago and they're yep. like, let's go do that. And, uh, you know, that's awesome. And there's some name recognition, some brand recognition just from that nickname and from that upset. And let me ask you this. I was thinking about this, this the other day, uh, watching the crowd that they had there. I could see that team, you know, the, the next round of, whatever you want to say expansion or conference movement uh man the, the american conference could use a little bit of uh of buzz they could use a team like that uh you know this team goes to the tournament and makes some noise again as a 14 or 15 seed this year uh, maybe they i think that's probably where they're at their 14 15 range they're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna be a 16 uh no not at all b- but uh you know, they they go win a game again. <laughs> this this might be a team that uh, ends up playing themselves into uh, a nice little nice little scenario. I think they were Division Two mid two thousands. Yeah, they they were they, they were all of, all of a sudden they're uh, one of the more recognized schools in uh, in that smaller smaller uh, level. No, a son. Uh, no, it's very true. I I think I, I don't think you'll see him make a jump to an an American or something like that just yet, especially a couple of those Florida teams I think would have something to say about it. But but I yeah. I could see them making making a jump into one of those bigger conferences. I mean they have they have been consistent. They've been good and like you said, I mean if they if they are able to knock somebody off again this year and just keep that name recognition going and, and you start to get that reputation, 
that that's what those conferences want to see. And especially, as you mentioned, more than anything, what those conferences want to see is the butts in the seats. And then they and they want to see see those fans yeah. in there. I mean, tickets. and granted, that was against North Florida, and both those schools are pretty close. And it's it's for an NCAA tournament bid, so you're always going to pack the house for a game like that. I, I don't I don't watch Dunk City on a nightly basis, so I don't know what their crowds are are normally like. But uh, anything else you want to touch touch on here before we wrap this thing up? I don't believe so. All right, I I did want to uh, maybe do real quick uh, kind of a, a thing that we want to start doing maybe maybe through this a little bit early in the show uh, sometimes but uh bracket buster of the week who, who do you and and maybe you know two minutes or less you know who do you think is uh is a team that maybe some people are overlooking that that has got a chance to, to bust some brackets the the team that i really i mean this is kind of tough because i i don't know how many people are really overlooking them but i just haven't heard that much about them either is Middle Tennessee. Yeah. This this team returned, I, I believe, everyone from uh, every major contributor from the team that knocked off Michigan State last year. And this is a team that is incredibly talented. I, I think that they, they're athletic. They're able to shoot well. I, th- this is a team that I, I predict will be in at least the Sweet 16. And I think they're capable of going even further. I think Middle Tennessee is one of the best, the the best mid-major teams in the country. I think that they're they're used they're used to being on the stage. They did it last year. They know what it takes. I think this team is coming into this to this tournament expecting to win. They're they're not just the the little guy. Last year, I think they were kind of offended that they got put on the 15 line because that that was a very underseeded team. And yeah. and this year the committee's not going to make that mistake, and I think I think they're going to be ready for it, and I think they're going to be ready to show show everyone that last year wasn't a fluke, and and that this team is legit. Let me ask you this though: um, if they don't win the uh, Conference USA tournament, are they a lock? You think? Personally, I I think so. Um, I they've got wins over UNC Wilmington. They've got win over Vanderbilt. Um, and, and Vanderbilt may be a team that they're up against that that they're talking about, and they have a seventy-one to forty-eight victory, a very yeah. convincing victory. That's yeah. not not just a couple points on a fluke here and there. Um, I mean, they're they're only really bad. They've got a couple bad losses: Georgia State, Tennessee State, and UTEP. Those are bad losses that that could be counted against them. But I think that this team has done more than enough that that they should be a lock. No, I, I, I think I agree with you. Um, but, I mean, they could get only four losses. So I think that, especially as weak as this bubble is, it would be a crime. It would be worse than, than leaving out uh, Monmouth last year for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think they'll, they'll definitely get in. But I, I, I don't think they're going to lose, though. Um, I don't just, either. Just the uh, – the, they already slipped up once in the Conference USA, and the, the Conference USA is – pretty weak this year so i think they'll go ahead and take the auto bid um and, and be hot going to the tournament and now that's a that's a great pick uh a team that uh i, I was going to talk about dayton but we already talked about them quite a bit and, and you know the reasons that I, that i uh that i think dayton's going to get to the sweet 16 and, and possibly beyond but um let's talk about unc wilmington because i kind of uh you know i don't want to say that 
I was I was down on them, but um, I saw them mentioned a few places in this same type of conversation, and I kind of like was like uh, I don't know. But then I looked at man, they are. You know, you want to talk about Gonzaga being one of the top offensive teams in the country? UNC Wilmington's doing that um, in a completely different stratosphere in the in the Colonial, um, and they're averaging one point one five points per possession, which is just outrageous. And, you know, you look at their scores, they're scoring almost 100 points a game. Uh, they don't play a whole lot of defense, which might be a problem if they run into the wrong team. But talk about a, a 14, maybe a 13 seed uh, that you don't want to play. I think UNC Wilmington, just because the simple fact that they can they can score, they can light it up. Um, and it's not just one guy doing it. They've got four guys averaging double figures. Uh, C.J. Bryce, the leading scorer, at 17.5 points per game. I haven't gotten a chance to watch them yet, but uh, that's a team that kind of sticks out to me just because I was starting to look at some of the advanced stats last night, and um, I was like, man, how – because, I mean, you look at uh, – okay, let's just name off the top ten in uh, offensive efficiency. It's UCLA, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, UNC, Wilmington, which just sticks out like a sore thumb. And then Villanova, Michigan – Michigan's up there, which is kind of kind of crazy. Um, Oklahoma State, uh, SMU, Marquette, Wichita State. So you know those are all teams that can score, but um, to see UNC Wilmington in there is a little bit jarring, and uh, that's just one reason that I kind of decided to to bring a little bit of attention to them. Uh, they still got to win their conference tournament, but uh, I think they they might even get a chance uh, as a as an at large team. I agree, and one one other team that I kind of want to want to touch on that really no one's talking about is UT Arlington out of the Sun Belt. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this team is incredibly athletic. This this team, I, I'm, I'm working in the Sun Belt Conference, and I, I have gotten to see them play a number of times, and they are just as bit as athletic as any team that you'll see. The, uh, Eric Neal... Their, their point guard, he is averaging 6.5 assists per game. And this kid's vision is up there with, with any point guard in the league. It's up there with, with the Frank Masons. It's up, it's up there with everyone. He he is a great driver, but he's an even better facilitator. And, and this team can do some damage. They can knock off anyone in the country. They, they beat St. Mary's at St. Mary's earlier this year. They beat Texas at Texas earlier this year. They had a close uh, one. They at- came in. They came in to Austin. Uh, that's where I'm living, and, and I mean, they I mean they, they beat Texas handily. A lot of teams beat beat Texas handily this year, though. Uh, <laughs> let's not overlook that. But uh, yeah, no, I I I definitely agree with you. They they got to go win it though. They got to go win what's not going to be an easy tournament down there in New Orleans that you're going to. No, it is very true. And yeah, as Chris said, I will be at the Sun Belt tournament. And I mean, yeah, there's I mean Georgia State, Arkansas State, Arkansas State was receiving votes earlier in the year and they they kind of struggled throughout the middle of the season but they've started to right the ship a bit and i mean that that tournament is going to be going to be pretty insane you've got a cluster of teams that are right there that are all all very capable of pulling the upset any day so i mean it it's going to be a tough tournament for them to play in but if they if they come out of that tournament that's a team that you can look out for them in March because they're going to be doing some damage. Yeah, I wonder where they might be seated. Probably in the 13-14 range with because of that win, those wins over Texas and uh, 
St. Mary's, they might they might jump up the seed line a little bit. Yeah, oh, they they'll they definitely maybe, will be. Maybe I, even, I've, I've seen a couple of projections with them at twelve. Um, uh-huh. I think I think I think thirteen is probably around where they should be seeded. Um, and I think that that's a that's a dangerous thirteen seed. Um, I mean the the Floridas of the world, the 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 West Virginias, the SMU's, all those teams. They they got to look out because you don't want to be facing UT Arlington. All right, Colin. I know you've got a uh, a plane or a bus to catch. I'm not sure which. Um, well, a, a, a van to a plane. A van to a plane. So, look look for you on uh, at the uh, the good old Sun Belt, the Fun Belt tournament. The good old Fun Belt. <laughs> and so, have fun with that. Uh, thanks for talking to me today. Um, if you want to, uh, you know, hopefully we get this up on iTunes and. Uh, if you want to subscribe, go ahead and do that. Leave us a rating. Uh, that'll help people people find uh, find the podcast. And we're just getting going. Hopefully, we can turn this into more of an inter- interview show. Turn this into something. Uh, but uh, for now, I, I just we went uh, longer than I think we both thought we would. Uh, but we both love talking about college basketball, and hopefully, we can make this into something. Yep. Thanks for joining us today. Hope to see you here. I mean, chalk one up for the little guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Chalk one up for the little guys.